I might say it's been a joy to be here already. We can leave right now and say it's been good to be in the house of the Lord. Yes, yes. And uh, I enjoyed all the singing. It's uh, remarkable. Well, not remarkable. It's just the Lord. But on the way in, um, I was singing in the car, page 94, out of church. In. <laughs> and uh, first thing Brother Scott said, turn page 94. Yeah. <laughs> I looked at my wife and I said, did you do that? <laughs> I love how the Lord works like that. Yes. And uh, i tell you what, I can't do anything without him. You pray that he'll show up today in my preaching. He's already been here in the singing. And so... Uh, we're going to go ahead and get into preaching. So if you have your copy of God's Word, if you turn to the book of 3 John. 3 John, all the way back there in the end of your New Testament there, just before you get to the last few books. 3 John. And uh, let's go ahead, since there's only there's only 14 verses there, let's read all this, uh, this uh, book right here. It's only one chapter and 14 verses. And if you're able to stand, would you please stand for reading God's Word? Here in 3 John, starting with verse 1, the Bible says, The elder of the well-beloved Gaius, whom I love the truth. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospereth. For I rejoice greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee, even as thou walkest in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Beloved, thou doest faithfully whatsoever thou doest to the brethren and to strangers, which have borne witness of thy charity before the church, whom if thou bring forward on their journey after a godly sort, thou shalt do well. Because that for his name's sake they went forth, taking nothing of the Gentiles. We therefore ought to receive such that we might be fellow helpers to the truth. I wrote unto the church, but Diocrates, who loved to have the preeminence among them, receiveth us not. Wherefore, if I come, I will remember his deeds which he doeth, prating against us with malicious words, and not content therewith. Neither doth he himself receive the brethren, and forbiddeth them that would, and casteth them out of the church. Beloved, follow not that which is evil, but that which is good. He that doeth good is of God. But he that doeth evil hath not seen God. Demetrius has good report of all, of all men, and of the truth itself. Yea, and we also bear record, and you know that our record is true. I have many things to write, but I will not with ink and pen write unto thee. But I trust I shall shortly see thee, and we shall speak face to face. Peace be to thee. Our friends salute thee. Greet the friends by name. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for the reading of your word this morning. Thank you for this service, Lord, and the good spirit we can feel. And Lord, we're just praying now that you open up our minds and hearts to receive your word. May it go out and do a mighty work, God, that which you please. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Be seated. Wow, what a wonderful text here. Just a very short chapter, short letter that the, the Apostle John has written. Of course, John being the, the gospel writer of John, and here are these three uh, letters that he wrote, his epistles, and the book of Revelation. Uh, but the Lord has allowed him to be the human penman of what God had to say. Mm-hmm. And if you notice as we read that letter that John had written to this church, he mentioned a, a couple of people anyway, Gaius, his beloved, the one that he has placed so much trust in. And then that Diocrates, who refused the truth and even pushed away those that had come to try to help him and push the church away. Mm-hmm. And John was explaining there that, uh, you know, he, he's, don't follow after that bad example, but follow after the good. 
And so he mentions this man, Gaius. Now, back in the early 90s, you may remember there was a book that came out that was a, a great seller. It's still selling now like hotcakes. Uh, you don't hear about it as much as normal, but there was these two men. Their name were Mark Hudson and Jack Canfield. These were inspirational speakers that liked to go around places and speak on, on the things of the Lord. And they had all these inspirational stories between them. And they, they wanted to compile a book together to share to the world to inspire people. But not only did they use the stories that they had, but they, they used stories that other people had given them. The people were sending in stories. And they compiled 101 different inspirational stories to put in this book. Well, it came time to name the book, and, and they were praying about it and meditating over what they were to name this book. And finally, one of them, they remembered his grandmother's chicken soup. And remembered how it was just a soothing to the soul. Yes. And so they wrote this book and named it, of course, Chicken Soup for the Soul. Yeah. And so this, uh, this book gave many hope to many people, and, and it helped a lot of people, because it was inspirational. Now this morning, I want to talk to you about your soul, the prosperity of your soul. If you notice there in the second verse that John was writing here, he mentioned some things about the soul. Read that verse uh, 1 and 2 again. He says, The elder unto the well-beloved Gaius, whom I love in the truth, beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospereth. Even as thy soul prospereth. So here John is referring to himself as the elder. Uh, he no doubt is probably older than Gaius, but he is speaking of the, the uh, position that he holds within the church of being an elder. So he's helping the church. These apostles, that was their goal after, after Christ uh, arose and, and ascended up into heaven. Of course, they went to preach the gospel, but they were church helpers. You notice all the writings of the apostles and how they were giving instruction to the church. The apostle Paul, of course, certainly all those instructions that he gave to the church of Corinth and through Timothy and, and Titus and all these helps. But here John, of course, the beloved, the one that, you know, that uh, Jesus loved. He even claimed that for himself. But uh, he's talking about this man, Gaius. And that's actually who the, the letter is addressed to, but it's, it's meant to be passed on to the church. If you notice how it was speaking things about the church. Well, here he talks about this guy, and there's actually four different men named guys in your New Testament. Paul had three different helpers named guys from different places. And of course, here John has this man, Gaius, uh, that is also that he mentions and holds a lot of, uh, uh, he, he's very dear to John. And so he looks at him as a beloved, he's a well-beloved guy. So he holds him very near to him. And if you were to look on the Apostle John's early ministry, if you remember back when he was first called to be a disciple, him and his brother James, when they were called to be away from fishers of fish, but then to fishers of men, and the Lord had called them there, and how they had such tempers, and how when the Lord had, had instructed them to do things, if people didn't listen to them, they got upset. And they asked the Lord, should we call down fire from heaven and, and consume them? You know, we pushed them away because they wasn't following the same way that we're doing. And so they were very high strung. And I remember back in the in the 70s, my favorite uh, television programs was watching wrestling. Southeastern Championship Wrestling. That's right. That's right. And we were Rainey and, and Les Thatcher. Yep, that's right. Those announcers would come on there, and boy, they'd start calling off all my heroes. Bob Armstrong. Boy, he was one of my very favorites. 
You know, we had that Mongolian stomper. He, yeah, up there. Ron Wright, remember he loaded his boot and kicked me into submission. Uh, all these men were my, really, heroes of that time, uh, these wrestlers. Uh, and so when I was in Sunday school, and the Sunday school teacher started talking about the Sons of Thunder, I, you better believe I heard up. I was like, whoa, what a minute, Sons of Thunder. You know, maybe they're going to take on the Fuller brother, the Goldens, you know. Uh, so they got my great attention when they started talking about these men. And the things that they were doing, calling down, going to call down fire from heaven, and, and how the Lord called them the sons of thunder, and it got your attention. But isn't it miraculous how we can look at the early ministry of John and see how much he's changed over the years as he developed and grew in the knowledge of Christ and the love that Christ had, yes. and, and how he progressed into this man now that's talking about loving people. Yes. And helping people, not killing people, right? Raining down fire on them and pushing them away, and, and all these things. But now he's he's no longer this rough, tough fisherman, but he's now a more gentle, loving, gracious elder, right. someone who takes care of things. And so, how his heart changed, and we re need to remember this as we see examples in the Bible of men like this. When you see someone get saved, they may be young at a young age, and you may think, well, they're not behaving the way a Christian ought to act. They're not doing what I think they ought to do. They're not dressing the way I think they should. They don't wear their hair the way I think they ought to. You need to be very careful and look and see how God works in the person's heart. Right. And how that uh, they can progress as Christians. Yes. We're to help them. We're to disciple young Christians and to help them in the ways of the Lord. And the Lord will work on them and develop them. Turn them from a son of thunder into the well-beloved. Right. And so it's uh, we need to remember that. Uh, people need discipleship. And that is one of the dysfunctions yes. of the church. It's very important. And so John declares that he loves guys in the truth. Mm -hmm. Now, I can come in here today and say that I, I don't know a lot of you very well. I can't tell you a whole lot about your lives or anything like that. But I can tell you this. I love you. If you're saved today, I love you Amen. because you're one of my brothers yes. or sisters in Christ. Right. And so we can look at each other, those that are saved, those that belong to Christ, and say we have a kinship, we have a friendship, we have a, a family uh, bond, a bond here, and that we can love each other in the truth. Yes. I met a man just recently down at Outreach Baptist, actually. I was on the front porch, and me and Brother Jonathan walked up there, and there was this man on the porch, and as I understand it, he cleans the church as well. And I, I, I've met him a few times, and uh, he, he came down, Brother Russell is his name, and he comes and he's talking to us and sharing his testimony and about his mother and that had recently passed away and things and, and all this thing. We stood there on the porch for 30 minutes talking about uh, the things of the Lord. And as we were parting, uh, he looked at me and he said, well, he first looked at Brother John and said, I love you, Pastor. And he turns to me and said, I love you too. And I said, well, I love you too in the Lord. And we can, so we can share this this bond, this love, but it's all because of the truth. Right. Yes. The truth that is in the Lord Jesus. You're not going to find the truth in this world. No. You're not going to find the no. truth in the local news or no. in the national news, certainly. You're not going right. to find the truth in Congress or in the White House. Right. You're only going to find the truth in God's holy word. Yes. The things of God are the truth. And so we have this common bond of blood through Christ in the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the life, and the truth. Verse 2 says, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou may, mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospers. 
here in verse 2, we're led to believe that perhaps Gaius may have had some health issues. We're not certain about that. There were a lot of health issues with men back in those days uh, due to the, the conditions that they lived in. The, the poor water, the poor food, and, and the health conditions. They were suffered a lot. And so we don't know that he may have had some physical health issue. But John says, I wish above all things. Now this doesn't mean he wishes on a star. We don't wish on stars. We don't wish on things like that. What it means is he prays to the Lord that the Lord may prosper him mm-hmm. in his physical health right. and that it be as good as his soul's health. Mm-hmm. That word prosper right there, it means to, to prosper. And we know what that means. I'm not talking about the prosperity gospel that these Charltons are out there preaching that tells you if you trust Jesus, you'll get a mansion. And you'll get a mansion after you die. You know, but that you'll have an earthly one. That you'll drive a big Cadillac or a limousine or have you know all this stuff. That that's a, that's not a true gospel. Mm-hmm. But this uh, your soul prospering. Notice in the last part of verse two, he says, "Even as thy soul prospers." This one small phrase gives us a lot of insight to this man, Gaius. Yes. Would to God that each one of us would have such a a, a thing could be said about us. Yeah. If if nobody knew anything about you at all, but that one thing that you identified as. Here, Gaius is known that his soul prospered. He is a man that is spiritual. He's a man that, that loves God. He's a man that has the truth in Christ. And so we can determine by John's writing, this man is taking great care of the prosperity of his soul. Right. Yes. John is hoping that his health would also have that same prosperity as well. Uh, back in 1992, the USDA, they came up with this pyramid, the food pyramid. You all seen it. They used to tell, teach us that in school. They, I believe they had it on the side of a milk carton as well. And it'd show all the different foods that you're supposed to consume and the amounts to have a healthy lifestyle. As you can tell, I, I really watched that for that pyramid. Uh, my pyramid had a bucket of fried chicken yeah. in the middle of it. <laughs> Amen. But uh, that, uh, that pyramid was supposed to tell you what to do in order to, to keep yourself health, healthy. The prosperity of your health. But here in our scripture, we can't help but notice the emphasis that the Lord places on our soul, the health of our soul, the prosperity of our soul. This word prosperity, it means successful. And the Lord wants us to have success in the things of Him. You know, you can be successful in this world and it doesn't mean anything. Because when you leave this world, all that stuff's going to be left behind. But there is one thing you're going to take with you when you go from here. And that is your soul. Yes. Your soul. Amen. What if our physical health or condition revealed our spiritual condition of our soul? I think we'd look real ugly. It's really, really ugly. If we treated our spiritual condition the same as we do our physical condition, if it, our, our spiritual condition was revealed what's on the inside of our heart and in our minds, it may not be a very pretty picture. Right. You see, the Lord can look down in our hearts and in our minds and see what it looks like. You can't see what's down in my heart or in my mind. Right. He can. I can't look inside your head or in your heart and tell what you have hidden in there. But God can. Yes. And I dare say, I wouldn't want all those things revealed on the outside. Amen. And so, Webster defines the soul as the spiritual, rational, and immortal substance in man, 
which distinguishes him from brutes, that part of a man which enables him to think and reason and which renders him a subject of moral government. In other words, it's our spiritual side of us, is what Webster alludes to. But the Bible mentions our soul for the very first time in the book of Genesis, chapter 2, and verse 7. And it says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. And from that point on, everything changed. Man now is born with a living soul. Your soul will never be gone. You're not going, your soul is going to go with you wherever you go after you leave this walk of life. We used yes. to sing that song a lot of times about where the soul never dies. Yes. Yes. And uh, we always think about that being in heaven. But what if you were in hell right. with that soul in hell where it is destroyed? And it's not the devil that destroys it. You need to be more concerned about who the one is that's able to destroy it, yes. which is the Lord. Well, without God, there's no soul. Without a soul, there is no man. The soul is the inner part of man that makes him a living creature. It, it's who you are. It's you, your soul. Our physical bodies will die one day. They will go on the ground. They will rot and decay and go away. This old tabernacle that we have will eventually rot. One of these days, if you're saved, you're going to have a new tabernacle. Amen. One not made by hands. Uh, one that uh, God has given us. One that will be perfect. One that will be like the body of Christ. Yeah. But until then, we are going to suffer in these mortal lives. Yes. Yes. And so if we are saved today, when you die, your soul will depart from here and it will be in the presence of the Lord. Yes. It will be absent from the body to be present with the Lord. That's what right. the Bible says. Right. But I want you to know, if you die and you're not saved, your soul is going to go somewhere else. <laughs> Out of the presence of the Lord. Right. It's going to go to a place of eternal torment. Well, we'll remain forever, and you'll forever be separated from the Lord. That's going to be the worst thing about hell, is complete separation from the Lord. And so the truth is, we put an awful lot of stock into physical things. No doubt each one of you have had a job where you made money so that you could buy a house and a car and, and have a living and do things, and we put a lot of stock in that. I mean, we work and work and work and work just to have stuff. Right. Just so I can outdo my neighbor over here and my neighbor over here and have a better car and a better house and better clothes and all these things. And so we spend a lot of time uh, looking at that. In fact, we look on the outside of man every time that we judge someone. Yeah. Yes. We look at their appearance. We look at their hairstyle. We look at their clothing. Uh, what, what they drove in on. Where they're living. We look at those things and we make a judgment call on whether or not we want to have anything to do with them. That's our carnal, fleshly nature that does that. Right. But we put all this stock in our bank accounts, our money. Why do we place so little value on what really matters? And that's the prosperity of our souls. Do you know that is the most important thing? Once you're saved, the prosperity of your soul is the most important thing that you need to keep up with. If you'll keep up with the prosperity of your soul, everything else will work itself out. You'll be a better witness for the Lord. You will want to read His Word. You will want to be in communication with Him. If your soul is prospering, if it's the spiritual condition that it needs to be in, all these things will work themselves out. Yes. You may yes. say, well, I don't understand why I don't feel like praying, or why I don't feel like reading God's Word, or why I don't feel like witnessing to someone. It's because your soul's condition is not what it's supposed to be. Yes. If your soul's condition was prospering in the Lord, 
you would have a desire to do the things of the Lord. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. yes. And so the Bible says in 1 John 2, 15 through 17, love not the world. Neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. So instead of spending so much time on the physical things of this world, which we will not take with us, why don't we start spending a whole lot of time on the inward man, the soul that needs to prosper? Why don't we spend more time on that? Because that is what we're going to take with us. Right. Things down here is going to be taken over by, by dust and moss, uh, moths and rust, and they'll be destroyed. Over in Ecclesiastes 6 and 3, the Bible says, If a man beget a hundred children and live many years so that the days of his years be many, and his soul be not filled with good, and also that he have not burial, I say that an untimely birth is better than he. Do you see the emphasis again on the soul? If his soul is not filled with good, it'd be better if he'd never been born. That's what the Bible says. And so just like Grandma's chicken soup is a remedy for all the elements that you may have, we can remedy the elements of our soul, and we have a lot of them. Our soul suffers a lot of times from these demonic things that's out here in this world. Uh, the, the darkness, the spiritual darkness that's out there. And uh, so we need to make sure our soul is taken care of. Quickly, as we finish, I want to give you three things from God's Word that we can ensure that our soul can be prosperous. The number one thing is, to have a prosperous soul, you must be born again. Right. You must be saved. Yes. Listen, you can be religious as you want. But if you're not saved, and religion and being saved is not the same thing. Right. Jezebel was very religious. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of people in the Bible that the Lord chose us was very religious, but they weren't saved. Right. They were satanic. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, but to have a prosperous soul, you must first be saved. An unsaved person cannot have a prosperous soul. It is impossible, no matter how good you live. You may be the sweetest and best granny that's ever been on the face of this earth. But if you're not saved, your soul is black. Your soul is going to burn and go to hell. Uh, Listen, Uh, Jesus said this in Luke 12 and 15 through 21. He said, take heed and beware of covetousness. For a man's life consists not in the abundance of the things which he possesses. And then he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, because I have no room where to bestow my fruits? And he said, This will I do. I'll pull down my barns and build greater, and there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast many much, uh, thou hast much good things, or much good laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. The man in the parable was so concerned about his earthly goods, his riches, his wealth, all these things. And he's going to tear down his barns, build bigger and better. You know, there's a lot of churches doing that these days. Mm -hmm. Tearing down the old church and building bigger and better. 
was that SWAT they think they need. Right. Mm -hmm. I was doing a small little study with myself on the number of churches that started big building programs and their pastors resigned after it was finished. Mm -hmm. We're in the middle of it. I think there's some correlation there. Mm -hmm. uh, that's a different message for a different time. <laughs> but the man in the parable is concerned about the prosperity of everything except the prosperity of his soul. And the Lord looked at him and the Lord himself called him a fool. Thou fool! Now, that's not the type of fool where you're saying you're a, you're a wicked religious or non-religious person, which is one meaning of the word fool, which we're told to not say that to people. But this, in this sense, is ignorance. It's ignorance of the things of God. Ignorance toward what you need to be concerned with. You're so concerned with your goods and your riches, but you're not concerned about your soul. And it's required of you this day. What would you do if you found out on... This day, your soul will be required of you. Right. To stand before the Lord God Almighty. To stand before Him. What would we do? Are we ready? Is our soul ready to meet Him? Is our soul prospering? The second thing, to have a prosperous soul, we must care more what God thinks than what the world or man thinks. Amen. Right. Now sometimes that can be a sticky situation. Everybody wants to please man. Everybody wants to be liked. Everybody wants to like everybody. Uh, and so man looks, we already said, he looks on our outer being. He looks at our hairstyle. I know mine's out of date in about 25 years. His clothing. I've got a cheap suit on. What kind of house they live in? I've got an old six, house built in 1964. A brick rancher. 900 square feet of it. Uh, they look at uh, what we're driving. You know, you can you can go out here and drive a real nice, expensive-looking car, and people will fall all over themselves to be your friend. It's uh, it's ridiculous. Yeah. But you know, God doesn't look at all those things. Those things are meaningless to Him. In fact, what He looks at is what's on the inside of you. He doesn't care about your hairstyle or or your looks or anything like that. He cares about what's on the inside. If you remember when God rejected Saul, the king of Israel. And, of course, Samuel was going to look for the new king. God was directing him to go down to Jesse's house. He's got all these sons. And he goes down there, and all of them keep parading in front of him. And he's looking at him like, wow, look at that. Wow. And he gets to that last one. He's like, wow, look at him. You know, he, this must be who God wants. Look at his physical appearance. I mean, everybody wants this guy. I mean, that's the same reason they chose Saul, because of his looks and because of his how he conducted himself. And it didn't look on the inside. And listen to what God told Samuel. 1 Samuel 16 and 7. But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. Listen, the Lord is more concerned about the prosperity of your soul than He ever is your clothing, your hairstyle, how tall you are, how skinny you are, how fat you are, and I'm glad of that. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you what. But He's more interested in the condition of your soul. Over in Mark 8 36, the Bible says, For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Notice again the emphasis that God places upon the soul. You see this world and man could care less about your soul. When I go to the office or I go in front of my boss, he's not going to look and say, Byron, how's your soul doing today? No, he's going to say, how are you doing? How's your family? How's your health? How's this? How's that? Yeah. He's not going to look on the inside and say, how's no. your soul? 
Did you go to church yesterday? Have you been praying? Have you been reading your Bible? Are you communing with God? Do you have fellowship with God? He he don't care about that. And most people do not. Most people could care less about the prosperity of your soul. But God, that's number one on his list. It's right at the top of it. That's why it says in Matthew 10 and 28, And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. In hell. That's what we alluded to already today. He's speaking of himself. Only the Lord can destroy the soul of man. It's indestructible to anyone else. And by the way, he is the ruler of hell. He holds the keys. Yes. Amen. The devil's not the ruler of hell. A lot of people think the devil's down there ruling hell. He's in charge. He's sitting on the throne. And no, he's not. Hell is prepared for a place of suffering for the devil. Yes. The Lord is the one that holds the keys. He's the master over heaven. Yes. And so, uh, Revelation 1 and 18, the Bible says, I am he that lived and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of hell and death. That's the Lord. Third and last, to have a prosperous soul, we must have the proper re- relationship with the Lord. Right. So we know we have to be saved. That, that, that goes without saying. We've already said it. it, it, it we have to be saved. Uh, we have to care more what the Lord says than what man or the world says. Because they'll always lead you wrong. That's right. But to be prosperous, to have a prosperous soul, we must have the, the correct relationship with the Lord Jesus. You know, you can be saved and not have the proper relationship that you need with it. That's called fellowship. Yeah. You can be out of fellowship right. with the Lord. Yeah. We used to call that backsliding back in the day. Yeah. Yeah, but the backsliders, they come in and sit down uh, by you. Don't want to offend you if you're sitting on the back of you. <laughs> but that's what we always said. You know, look at a backslider sliding. Right. You know, slide out between the invitation. Right. Uh, but that was, those were people that were out of fellowship with the Lord. And you can get that way. You can start neglecting the things of God. Start missing church. Stop reading your Bible. Stop praying. Stop doing anything that has to do with the Lord. You'll find yourself sliding right out of fellowship. You'll find yourself backsliding. That's what happens. Uh, But we all know the terrible sin that David committed. King David. A man after God's own heart, the Bible tells us. As he was there, as it was the time the kings walked to war, he wasn't going off to war. He sent everybody else off and he stayed home. Stayed in his house, mm-hmm. contemplating around, got up that afternoon today, looking out the window at things he should have been looking at. Mm-hmm. Looked over at his neighbor's wife, Bathsheba was over there, and he found her beautiful. Had his men call her over, and of course we know what happened. The Bible tells us, doesn't shy away from it. They had an adulterous relationship. And then he called her husband in from the battlefield, Uriah the Hittite, had him killed. Mm-hmm. Yes. Because he wouldn't do what he wanted him to do. He wanted him to hide and cover up his sin that he'd done. Yeah. But Uriah refused because Uriah was a man of character. Right. And so David, we all know the, the rest of the story. He was confronted there by the prophet and called him, the, you are the man. You're the one. You're the one that's committed this sin. Uh-huh. David become repentant. But in Psalm 41 and 4, David prays out this prayer. He says, I, I said, Lord, be merciful unto me. Heal my soul, my soul, for I have sinned against thee. That's when David understood he had sinned against God. Sure, he'd sinned against his men. He'd sinned against Uriah. He'd sinned against Bathsheba. He'd sinned against many people. But ultimately, when you sin, you're sinning against God. And David pleaded for God about his soul. He says, heal my soul. His soul had become dirty. His soul had become 
distanced from God, unhealthy. And so he wanted God to restore his soul, his health of his soul. David knew that it was not right before God, so he begs to be healed. And the Lord gave him forgiveness. The Lord forgave him. And later on, David prays this prayer. In Psalm 143 and 8, Cause me to hear thy loving kindness in the morning. For in thee do I trust. Cause me to know the way wherein I should walk. For I lift up my soul unto thee. Before, David would not lift up his soul. It was dirty. It was unhealthy. It was not prospering. And it caused him to indulge in sin. But now he's been forgiven. He's been restored. His fellowship is back the way it should be. And he lifts up that prayer. The Lord, he says, I lift up my soul to thee. Yes. Yeah. Amen. David's soul had prospered over time. He had the, the correct relationship with the Lord. And the truth is, you can be saved and not have the proper relationship, be out of fellowship. And that is not what God wants for you. God wants to have a relationship with you the same way that an earthly father wants to have a relationship with his earthly children. There's nothing that brings you more joy than your children coming to you, confiding in you, talking to you, asking you for things. You may say, well, I don't want to ask me for money. <laughs> There's nothing that thrills me more than my children to come to me and talk to me and to rely upon. Do you not think for one moment that God, the God of heaven, the Father, doesn't want to hear from you? Right. Amen. He loves to hear from you. He wants to have a continual fellowship and relationship with you. You can't have that relationship if your soul is not prospering. Amen. If it's not how it should be. A, a proper relationship to make sure your soul is proper, prosperous, you need to be studying His Word. You need to be in constant communication in prayer to God. Turn off the distractions of the world and turn to the Lord instead. You know, the truth is, that relationship, you can be in one and not have what you need. Amen. My wife and I have been married for 36 years. It's past March 15, 36 years. It takes a daily time for us to have fellowship together to have a proper relationship. Right. If you neglect your husband, or you neglect your wife, your relationship will, will fall apart. You won't have the fellowship that you need. You'll find yourself arguing and quarreling and, and thinking the other one, you know, is in the wrong and you're I mean, it'd be a struggle all the time. So just like that relationship that we need to have with our spouse, we need to have a relationship with the Lord Jesus so that we keep that fellowship together. And of course, some people are procrastinators and want to put everything off. Their favorite favorite phrase is, one of these days. <laughs> one of these days, I'm going to do this. I'm going to start teaching the Bible class one of these days. I'm going to get up and, and give my testimony one of these days. I'm going to get up and sing a song God put in my heart one of these days. And they're going to sit there for year after year, day after day, week after week, Sunday after Sunday, you're saying, one of these days I'm going to do that. And they don't ever do it. I used to have a, a 72 Comet GT. That's what I had in high school. I blew the motor up in it. I parked it in the front yard. One of these days, I'm going to fix that car. I tinkered around on it. I pulled the motor out of it and getting it ready and all this stuff. A year passed by. Two years passed by. I got married. 
we drug it over to our house where we were living. There it sat in the yard. People kept stopping by. Hey, you gonna sell that old car out there in the yard? No. One of these days I'm gonna fix that car. <laughs> and it was like that for ten years. And I went out there one day and looked at it, and boy, it was rusting, it was falling apart. You know, birds built nests in it and everything else. <laughs> This guy come by one time and he said, Hey, you want to sell that old car out there? And I said, How much you want to give me for it? <laughs> yeah. That car left my life. Right. Listen, you can sit there and one of these days yourself to death mm-hmm. and not ever do a thing for the Lord. That's not helping you. That's not prospering your soul. If God has laid something in your heart to do, if it's as simple as sharing your testimony, and there's no greater thing that you can do as a Christian than to share your testimony. Because when you do that, you're sharing about the Lord Jesus. Yes. And so, if God has asked you to do something, you need to get up and do it. So it's through prayer that we talk to God, we keep communication, we tell Him our needs, our wishes, our love for Him. It's through studying His Word that we learn more about Him. Don't go looking outside of God's Word for the things of God. They're in here. Amen. They're in here. It's through faithful attendance and worship. I'm speaking to the choir today, aren't I? Yeah. <laughs> Faithful attendance and worship. That we outwardly show our love and desire to please Him and worship Him. Right. And when your neighbor sees your car leave your driveway on Sunday to go to church, they notice. They notice. They know what you're doing. Right. That is a testimony in itself. And it's through telling others about Him that we prove our love for Him. Yeah. Just simply telling somebody about Jesus. That's the greatest thing that you can do for anybody. So I want to urge you this morning to tend to the prosperity of your soul. God, he, that's what He wants in your life. He wants your soul to prosper. Just like John prayed that Gaius' health would prosper as much as his soul, the Lord wants your soul to prosper. And so don't neglect it. It's the only thing that you're going to take with you when you leave here. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we come to you this morning. We preach your word, Lord. I pray, God, that you've touched hearts today, not through what I've done, but for what your word has said. God, we know the importance that you've placed upon our souls. God, we know these souls one day are going to depart from this world and we're going to be in the presence of you. Lord, we will answer for those things, just as you say in your word, both good and bad. We'll stand before a righteous judge. God, we pray that when we do, our soul will be healthy, or to be prospering, or to be just the way that it needs to be. Will you help us with that today? Lord, I don't know that that one may be struggling here today, Lord, with it. Would you help them? Would you touch them, God? Show them the Lord, they can just lean on you, and you'll help them with it. God, you'll help them. Come on me, all you that labor, or heavy labor, and I'll give you rest. He will do that. Help him, Father. For these things we ask in the name of Jesus.